What's up, guys? It's your boy, Rowan, coming back at you again, live from the studio. Um, with Live at the time of recording, actually. Yeah, which is what live means. So Something like that. This is my workplace associate, Felipe. I'm your host, Rowan. Um, yeah. Icebreaker question for you guys. Do you think there are more eyes or legs in the world? We had this discussion <laughs> earlier, and if we count animals, Rowan made a really good point about centipedes and millipedes. And insects in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then fish. There's a lot of fish in the world, though. No legs. Yeah. Like millions of fish. Billions. But, but, but insects those, definitely outnumber them. And a lot of the deep sea fish don't even have eyes. No, they have eyes. They just don't work. Not a lot of them do. You don't know that. Yeah, I do. What about worms? No eyes, no legs. <laughs> Holy cow. Appendages or legs? What now? How many, how many appendages? Are you talking about like... Are appendages your fingers and toes? Everything. Everything that's not a leg. So like fingers, toes, arms. Or is it just arms? Arms versus legs. Because centipedes, are they all arms? Or I mean, are they all legs? Have legs, have arms. No, we don't know that. <laughs> maybe like the front two are arms. Because maybe be they a... use it to eat. Yeah, that was supposed to be a dumb question. But you're rolling with it. It's important. These are the real questions. This is, this is science. This is you have a question, you have a you form a hypothesis, and now we're conducting a study. Uh, so Texas, how many eyes and how many legs you have? And okay, let's say you have a pet. How many eyes and legs do they have? Birds are pretty equal. Humans are pretty equal. But then dogs and cats, we're four on two here. There you go. But except for some dogs and cats that got hit once or twice, and now they're three and two. Or two and two. Or two and two. Yeah, because they have the dogs with the uh, wheelchairs. Or uh, without tails. That's that's irrelevant, isn't it? Not always. Not always irrelevant. What about monkeys? What about monkeys? They have arms and legs. Yeah, but what about their tails? What about their tails? They can use them like an arm. What about, what about, what about, what about, what about, um, you know, um, elephants? What about them? Because the thing is eyes and legs. They have four legs. Does it, what about the trunk? It's a trunk. Is that its own thing? It's its own thing. Dang. Why do you think tails are included in this? What about a whale? Again, it's all, it's tail and they have two eyes. You're right. You're right. My bad. Anyway, hey, I know we said this often and I know we do this often, but on this episode, we're doing something different. Hashtag the So I Was Doing Things Different podcast. That's it. Because we do that every week. There we go. Every other week. Every other week. Every time we do an episode, we say we're going to do things differently. But this time, we really are. This time, uh, we are... What are we going to do? We're going on the offensive. I'm just kidding. 
But kind of. So we uh, understand that out there through stuff like social media and stuff like that, there's a lot of different information. There's a lot, a lot of people of, that be tripping. Well, there's a lot of people giving different information so it can be confusing, right? You have all of these different ideas, and when you don't know what you're looking at, something might seem like a great idea, but really can be detrimental to your faith. And I see this all the time, specifically on TikTok, where I see a TikTok where what they're saying seems right and true and good or whatever, but if you read into what they're saying, it's like this can this has like serious implications and can be pretty bad for uh, a Christian, right? So what we're gonna do today is we found a uh, this one dude on TikTok who's very influential and. I want to clarify this. The reason how uh, how we got on this episode is we were we were going to do an episode on epistemology, which is basically a word uh, a word that describes the how of or the wait, the how of the what. Uh meaning like how do we draw our conclusions, right? And how we draw our conclusions matter. So, for example, like when it comes to math how you draw your conclusions matter you can you know like you can add one way and get one answer or for example like when you have to do pem does if you mess up pem does you get a completely different answer and i know because that's the story of my life i still i'm 27 years old and i have not figured out pem does uh it's pretty straightforward. It's not. You just it's go not. in the order. I, of what those trust me, I've tried, are. and I do the order as it says, and I've ended up with a completely wrong answer. You can testify to this. My sister can testify to this. My best friend can testify that I am PEMDAS will kick my butt. I any just day don't think you try. I promise you, I try <laughs> sometimes. And listen, you know, anyway. Uh, so like how you how how you get to your ultimate conclusion matters, right? And so when we read the Bible, if we come in with a an idea or a presupposition of what the Bible is or should be, we can end up with the wrong idea. And so when we read the Bible, when we develop our ideas and our beliefs about God, when we develop and work out our theology, it matters how we get to our conclusion, right? So like if we are studying grace if we come at it with the wrong presuppositions we end up with the wrong idea of grace right like if how we study the bible is wrong we end up with the wrong conclusion and so we are so we were talking about that and then we were also talking about what were we talking about uh we were talking about how this will just give you a little insider on what we talk about when it comes to podcasts we we're talking about how the last few episodes have been pretty theology heavy and we wanted to move on to something like a topic because that's yeah. what that's what this podcast was made for. So I was thinking just stuff that we're thinking about, right? Yeah. And um, this particular guy has popped up on both me and f- uh, both of our f- For You pages a few times. And we've been like, how does this guy have a platform? This is really funny. Like, it's he's not wrong. Funny. He's wrong. All this stuff. And I think a few times we've talked about wanting to do something like this but we just haven't done it and so finally we're gonna try doing this um but as a disclaimer we're not necessary we're not attacking this person right we're not trying to be um what's the word i'm looking at? berating belittling mean yeah 
Uh, that is not our intention. We just find that his ideas can be detrimental for um, Christians. And um, I think it's important to call out false teaching where we see false teaching. Absolutely. And that is what we're doing. But I don't want to mistake what we're doing for like attacking somebody's and, person. And here's here's the important thing that I think we need to understand just in general is now... Um, and this is more recent than anything, but like in more recent history, I would say maybe the last 20, 30 years, it's become that a person's idea and a person are the same exact thing when they're not. I can criticize an idea or a thought without, without criticizing a person. I can make fun of an idea or thought without making fun of the person. Um, And so when we criticize these ideas, these thoughts that this guy has, and here's the reason why we're doing this is because we listen to them and they're just so bad. They're so bad theologically. This dude might be a really great guy, you know, like might be, you know, whatever, love to chat with him, except he disables comments sometimes in some of his videos, Uh, you know, like, and so that's not what we're doing. We're not just sitting here trying to be mean. Um, but like Rowan said, it's important that we call out false teaching because this guy has a huge platform and he's spreading false doctrine, which may or, you know, it's probably leading a ton of people astray and leading people down the wrong direction when he claims to be a pastor and a theologian. And obviously to me, that means that you have influence over people's spiritual lives. And if what you're doing when you have influence over someone's spiritual life is leading them in a path to hell bro you know like i feel like we should say something yeah and uh the bible even talks about and we've talked about this before in the podcast that people who are in authority are called to a higher standard because they have that authority is like a god-given gift and they have to use that god-given gift to um edify other people and not lead them astray. And so this is a, um, we're just making sure that everybody is learning the right things and such. Are you good? I finally got this is sticker. This, is We've this had these the microphones for maybe three months. And every week I stare at these stickers. It's to take the stickers off right now. I Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> not, I know what you're saying. It's not. But it was. <laughs> so, without further ado, should we get started? So we're going to put the videos up on our alongside our video. Are we? Can we do that? I, I'll figure it out. All right. Uh, but we're also going to play the clip, and we're going to talk through what Homie says. And we have our Bible here. It is a study Bible. It's a really good study Bible. And NIV. so... It is the NIV. It's the Grace and Truth Study Bible. You should get one. I don't know how much they are because we got it for free. Hashtag thank you, T4G. Um, Rona has one. I have one. Anyway, so we are going to see what this guy says and line it up with Scripture. All right. Ready? Yeah. For, oh, wait. No, I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. So there's, uh, yeah. Opinion you have that might piss some people off. If God is love and if grace is true... That means every single person will be redeemed. Wrong. Even those people that you believe are your enemies. Wrong. It's always- so first, do we want to address what he just said? Absolutely. <laughs> what did he say? If we, if yeah, we I can, believe, I can run it back. I can run it back. If, if we believe that God true, is true, 
in you have that might piss some people off. If God is love and if grace is true, that means every single person will be redeemed, even those people that you believe are your enemies. So if, so if God is love and grace is true, then everybody should re be redeemed, uh, even your enemies, is what he says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where to begin. Jesus talks about judgment. Jesus talks about the separation of the sheep and the goat. And he, like Jesus was very clear that there is a distinct separation about what he's doing. Ultimately, the whole earth will be redeemed, 100%. It will be redeemed through fire. Like that, that's what we read about in, in Revelation. This is prophetic vision of the future when everything is made right. And there is judgment. And the Bible, in the book of Revelation, John writes about the, um, you know, like the Lamb of God seated on the throne and the books being opened and the book of life. And the book of life, whether it, if your name is not in it, bro, you're going in the lake of fire. Wow. Do you want me to get to, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, but not o not only that though. Um, we talked about uh the problem was saying like God is love, right? Because God God is the definition of love. God is definitely love, right? But we can't forget that God is also holy, and He's called holy more than He is called love, Amen. right? So He hates sin more, or uh, He hates sin more than He is all love, right? Yep. His goal is to be completely holy. And when we accept Christ into our lives, we, uh, this sanct what, and this is what sanctification is. It's the process of, um, becoming whole, like holy and setting ourselves apart from our sins and giving our sins up to Christ so that we can be with him because God, like there's give and take, right? We can't just be like, I'm going to live the way I want to live now and then expect reward in heaven, which Jesus also talks about is uh, in the Beatitudes. He talks about like yours is the kingdom of heaven when he's talking about uh, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, all that stuff. And Jesus also says a couple times, I, I wish I would uh, would be able to like reference an actual verse, but like your reward would will be great in heaven. Yeah. You got something? I mean, so here we go. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for him. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up their dead and that was in it. And death and Hades gave up dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Any whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And if we like, uh, uh, you know, um, there's so much, there's so much here. We can, we can go to Matthew. We can go to, you know, like the words of Jesus in Matthew verses 20 or chapters 24 and 25. Like Jesus is very clear here when he talks about the coming or his second coming when he's like, yo, you know, like not everybody's making it to heaven. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, this is Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46, you know, uh, let's start here. Uh, 
verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They would, they will also answer, um, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Blah, blah, blah. He'll answer whatever, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Like Jesus is very clear. There is eternal life and there is eternal punishment. And we talked about this um, in the last few episodes, like what righteous means, and it's walking in what is right with God. So if we look at that verse, it says that like those who are righteous, right? Yeah. It's like those who are righteous will walk with God. And so we need to have that righteousness in our hearts. We can't just live our lives the way we want to live it. Should we let him continue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This All is right. nonsense. All right, let's keep going. Always been funny to me that Christians claim to have a faith rooted in grace alone. But then when you ask about that grace, they will tell you it only extends to fellow Christians. If grace is true, if it is unmerited favor, if God's love is truly unconditional, if salvation is a gift of God, not of our works, then it must extend beyond Christians alone. Pause. We Here we go. So, here's the thing. Jesus talks about this, how it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous, right? Like, we, we do live in a measure of grace, both the righteous and the unrighteous. Absolutely. God is merciful to the just and the unjust. Absolutely. Like, like, we see that. That is completely theologically correct. It's in the Bible. Solomon writes about it. David writes about it. Job writes about it. Jesus talks about it. It is theologically accurate, right? Like, Paul talks about it, you know? Like, why am I in prison and the people that put me in prison and they're wrong, they laugh at me. Like, Paul addresses how God is merciful even to his enemies. But if you are in sin, you stand against God. Just like, and, and this is why the, I think the episode that we did before this is so important, right? Like the, the communicable, all, all of the attributes of God, we spent four series on this and I think, or four episodes on this. And I think it's a great precursor to what we're talking about now, because that is true. That is who God is. God is merciful. God is kind. God is loving. God is forgiving. Like all of those things God is, but John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not come into the world to judge the world, but that the world will be saved through him. Right? And and like that matters. Grace, we are saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the complete thought. We can't live out and believe these half-truths. Yeah, and I think it's important to state that, like, God's grace is a gift that we need to receive, right? Because God isn't going to force us to take take part in his grace. That's why free will is a thing, and that's why we're not robots, right? Because we have the option to either accept his grace, which would be to live by his command. Uh, by, by accepting his grace, that means we must live by his commandments, right? And walk in righteousness, right? But we can also reject that grace and live on our own, live apart from God. But, excuse me, but when we do that, there are repercussions. So he's right in saying that grace extends to everybody, but that doesn't mean 
everybody will accept that grace. Exactly. And here we go. Romans chapter 2, God's righteous judgment. Uh, we're going to start in verse 2. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. When you am, So when you, a mere human, pass judgment on them and, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? That's grace. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Uh, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. Mm. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and those who reject the truth and follow evil... There will be wrath and anger. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from law. All who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not by those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Good. I like it. All right. I'm going to run him back just a little bit, and we can keep going. Then it must extend beyond Christians alone. We need to believe that the God who tells us to love our neighbors and even love our enemies will extend love to his neighbors and his enemies. If grace is true, it means absolutely everyone will be redeemed and restored and reconciled to God through the power of grace and the power of God's love. Wrong. Wrong. I think, I think the important thing is him using the specific word uh, reconciled and redeemed. Absolutely. Those are, those are two words that are specific to people who have accepted the gift of grace to begin with right that's uh god has grace and that needs to be accepted right we aren't by nature redeemed because if we are by nature redeemed and we'll get into this later if we are by nature redeemed because of god's infinite grace then there what there is no purpose for jesus dying to begin with right yep and we are redeemed by the by the blood of the lamb like we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not God's love. And I think that's the thing that we need to understand is like this is this is the it is through God's love. God's perfect selfless love is what led him to the cross. Right? Like his love, uh, his holiness is what led him to the cross. His quest for righteousness and just justification and justice led him to the cross. It was God all of his characteristics that led him to the cross to spill his own blood for our redemption, our sanctification, our, did I say redemption? I think so. And our reconciliation to him, right? Like it wasn't just his love mm -hmm. and it wasn't just God loving his enemies, right? Like as a matter of fact, we talked about this la uh, last week when we talked about the gospel. That is love that God loved us while we were still sinners. This is love that he died for us. Yeah. It wasn't like, like there was a purpose to his love, mm -hmm. right? Like it wasn't just, oh my gosh, let's just love people. Like that's, there's so much to God's love. That is why he reconciled the world to himself, but not just through his love. Yeah. And loving each other and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, there's a holiness to God's love. And I think that's the important thing that he's missing here. This leads almost perfectly into our next video. 
Are you guys ready for this? All right. I don't know if I am. Jesus did not come to die. This theology oh. is antithetical to the gospel accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. Wrong. During Jesus' ministry, he became aware of the fact that he would likely die because his message was in direct opposition to the Roman Empire. Wrong. 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 Do you want me to keep going? Or do no, want... let's stop there. <laughs> Here's the thing, and this is why it's so important that we know how we get to the conclusions. Here's the important thing. Is Jesus God? Right? Like, what do we believe about Jesus? Is Jesus part of the triune God? Is he God? Absolutely. Jesus is fully God, fully man. Jesus was fully aware that he would die. Right? Like, and here's the thing. This, this, uh, oh gosh, this <laughs> goes back to Genesis, right? Like this is the covenant and this is, well, maybe not the covenant. Uh, this is the covenant, right? This is the promise that God makes to Abraham and to Eve. Oh, no, what am I saying? To Adam and Eve as he kicks them out of the garden. Here we go. Uh, the fall. He turns to. Oh, snap. Uh, he. Oh, snap. Where are we? Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, this is Genesis chapter 3, verse 13. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and her offspring and your offspring and hers. This is now this is so like this is God speaking prophetically into the future. Uh, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So God from the book of Genesis is declaring victory over Satan and victory over death and sin. Mm -hmm. That's Genesis chapter three, verse 15. When we when we read about the tabernacle and in and, and the rest of the Old Testament, this is talking about sacrifice. There is blood that needs to be spilled for our sins. I mean, we did a whole episode about the covenants in the Bible. And I think all of the New Testament covenants, right? The Mosaic, the Old Abraham Testament, you meant. Uh, Old Testament, I'm sorry. All of the like Old Testament, uh, the Davidic, Mosaic, uh, and then I forget the fancy, but the Abraham covenant, right? Those yeah. were the three covenants that we covered. All of those covenants were leading up to the final covenant, which is the new covenant, which happened because Jesus um, died for our sins. And that's the importance of um, why Jesus died. I also think, uh, and I think he gets into this a little bit later, so I might be jumping the gun here, but by saying that Jesus was never meant to die and he did makes um, makes God reactionary, which we can't. Ooh. Which we can't let it happen because if we accept God is all knowing and all sovereign, right? Ooh. When when we say Jesus was never meant to die, that means God is doesn't know what's going to happen. That we that he is um he is acting on the whim of everybody here on earth, right? And that God just reacts to whatever we do. He just if, bounces off of. Whatever we do. And if God is reactionary, then he cannot be God. Because if you follow that to its logical end, there was a point where God had no idea what would happen next. <laughs> anyway, Isaiah 53. <laughs> here we go. 
Uh, this is this is hundreds of years before Jesus, and this prophetic message happened. Sudden, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was up upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted. Like, this is the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus knew he was going to die. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors i shouldn't have to say anymore isaiah said it all in chapter 53 god knew jesus knew as god that he was going to die he was paying the price for our sins i don't even know if we need to go let's we should watch the rest of the video just because of the nonsense I, I was I was debating on turning you down. You got really worked up, really worked up on that. Let's finish uh, what he's got to say. When you oppose Caesar, Caesar kills you. But God did not need Jesus to die. God did not need a blood sacrifice to forgive the sins of Wrong. the world. On the cross, Jesus revealed the sin of humanity. Humanity kills those who preach love and grace and peace. Wrong. Humanity kills those who call us out of our greed into the path of self-giving love. Ru you know, I mean, I'm going to say this. Humanity hasn't killed you yet, and all you're doing is preaching love. I mean, yeah. I I'm was not, by the way, I'm not cheering for his death. <laughs> I'm, I, I was just about to say, like, that's not even true. If you preach grace and peace, if you are a kind and gracious and peaceful person, people tend to really like you. It's when you call people out for their sin that they decide that they want to kill you. And can you Jesus scripture and verse, sorry, can you scripture and verse where Jesus calls out Caesar? Because, <laughs> and that's not even why Jesus was killed or Jesus was killed. The, the Romans really didn't have anything to do with it. It was the high priests who were challenged by God's claim to uh, divinity. Jesus's claim to divinity. Yeah, sorry. That, that really made them mad, which got him crucified to begin with. So, really, it has nothing to do with preaching grace or peace. It was Jesus calling sinful people out for their sin and calling people out to a higher standard of sin when people didn't think he had the authority for it. But when he died on the cross, he proved himself God, right, before everybody. And he, ah, oh. <coughs> now I'm getting worked up. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um oh, let me see here. Uh this is this is Luke chapter chap where are we? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this I'm just gonna show you this so it doesn't look like I'm just making stuff up. There's just no chapter here, so I didn't know where I was. This is chapter eighteen. Uh, verse 31, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. Notice Jesus didn't say anything about, you know, it's because of Caesar. Yeah. It's because I'm opposing Caesar. Jesus never opposed Caesar. As a matter of fact, when it came to 
the only time Jesus interacted with Caesar was the question about tithing. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. And is give his. to God what is God's. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> affirmed <laughs> Caesar's authority here on earth. <laughs> All right. Hey, you handle this because I don't know where we're at. And it's, oh, I would throw the phone. Jesus revealed the sin of humanity. Humanity kills those who preach love and grace and peace. The sin of humanity is sin. Sin, 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 sin. It's our rebellion towards God. Humanity kills those who call us out of our greed into the path of self-giving love. That's what the cross revealed. That's where salvation lies. It does not lie in Jesus' blood appeasing Mm -mm. the wrath of an angry God. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's not where our salvation lies. I feel like we should put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. Like, yo, if you're wearing headphones, watch out. R.I.P. Headphone users. That's not where our salvation lies. Or... (laughs) Our salvation lies in the blood of Christ. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Again, not attacking this guy. We are attacking his ideas. Oh, oh my. Literally, oh, my God. Uh, hold on. Yeah, I need you to fill in while I search here. Yeah, so in the book of Hebrew. We're, and we went over this. Like, what is what is salvation? It's the, it's the moment that you accept Christ into your life. It's the moment that saves you, right? We are not saved by how, we're not saved by how much we preach love and grace and self-giving love, right? That is not absolutely not where our salvation lies. Our salvation lies in knowing that we are hopeless, we're uh, destitute and we're depraved human beings, but God in his infinite grace sent his one and only son to come and save us from our sins by dying on a cross and dying a gruesome death and in that salvation we should have joy because of God's love and God's grace, and that joy should produce, um, should produce, um, I I have it in my head. I just can't word it right now. Uh, but that's that joy in our salvation should produce fruit, which looks like uh, um, which and we're talking about sanctification here, and we're talking about walking in righteousness becoming holy, and living out the fruits of the Spirit, right, and building a relationship with God, repenting for our sins. That's important. Don't forget, repentance is a huge part of salvation, right? And we talked about that as well. So, like, our salvation—oh, that makes me—that almost makes me mad to say that our salvation is um, in self-giving love or or grace, love, and self-giving something, something, whatever he said, because— that that is such a selfish way of thinking. That is such a like a self-centered way of I'm good enough that if I am gracious and loving and peaceful enough that I can save myself from my destitution. And I think that can be very difficult for people who can't because we can't. And so when we think that, we can try all we want. We can try our entire lives to be like that, but in the end we're we're going to end up on a path where like we're we're just as uh evil as when we started because we haven't accepted Jesus as our savior and we haven't accepted that gift of salvation. And we haven't repented of our sin. 
That's the problem. Oh, my gosh. Okay, here we go. Uh, we'll just do this. Uh, this is so frustrating. Um, I mean, let's just, just, I'm not even going to read all of this. I just want you to read it. Go and open up your Bible to Hebrews chapter 9 and, and chapter 10. Right, like Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Those that are called may have received the the promise eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. It was, uh, here we go. For, uh, uh, okay, uh, sorry. There's just a lot here to try to dissect. But uh, the end of Hebrews 9, starting in verse 11, uh, so Hebrews 9, 11, and then Hebrews 10, 1 through 18, talks about the, nece- the necessity for the blood of Jesus and, his, and, and the sacrifice of his body. Mm. We are redeemed by the blood, by the blood. There's good hymns by the blood. Oh, nothing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of, of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's not my loving. It's not my selflessness. It's not my charity. It's not my piety. It's not my good words. It's not my good deeds. It's the blood of Jesus. Oh, this is like a a 60 second video. Uh, By the way, we're on minute 37 on this I know. podcast. I was looking at that. I'm like, this is going to be a long episode. It we're, is, because homie's tripping. We're, we're almost done with, with this. Uh, we only have like... Do not seconds. lie in Jesus' blood, appeasing the wrath of an angry God. Wrong. That is heretical theology. No, it's Jesus not. Jesus died because his message was so offensive to the powers and principalities of this world. And it's still offensive to this day. Absolutely. But he didn't have to die. Yes, he did. <laughs> Wrong. Yes, he did. The only sacrifice that would appease for all of humanity was God himself giving of his own perfect sinless life to appease a perfect sinless God. All right. Cool down. (laughs) If you've been listening to this episode, listen. Actually, let me check my heart rate quick. Let me see where I've been at the last. I I, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I did. Also, we watched we watched um, these videos and other videos of him uh, before doing this episode, so that we weren't like surprised by anything. I got a lot. I I said a lot more than I thought I was gonna say. Like you mean right now during recording? Yeah, like during like when I was watching the videos, I'm like, okay, that's wrong. Like I can say this here and I can bring up this. I didn't like. I thought I. In the moment, I said a lot more. Holy Spirit, I guess. Whew. But um, again, not attacking this dude. I know we don't have a huge platform, so this. Uh, but I still think this goes without saying. Don't like go to his page and spam dislikes or whatever. No, uh, do I, so, do so, because he's preaching heresy. Like that's the thing. And and listen, we're not attacking this guy. We're not telling you to throw eggs at his house, but. This guy's super popular on TikTok. And sadly, so it's becoming like progressive Christianity, which is not, oh, I almost said really bad words there, which is nonsense Christianity. Um, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Sorry, I got <laughs> caught up in what I was going to say. Uh, the progressive Christianity, right, which is this idea that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, Christianity is changing, keeping up with the times. No, it's not. The word of God is still the word of God. It has not changed. It will not change because God is consistent and his word is consistent. That is who he is. God is eternal. God is. God does not change. He's immutable. And so is his word. It says the same thing it said thousands of years ago. It says the same thing it said for all of church orthodox history. And that's why it's important. And this is how we get into epistemology, right? Like how we arrive to our conclusions. We need to go through a really... Uh, long process to figure out why we believe and how we get to what we believe, right? Because if we just go based on our feelings, the Bible is a completely different book, right? Like if we go based on what the culture says, the Bible is a completely different book. But if we go through what, like if we treat it as if it's the word of God and it is God's book and it is God's message, then the message that we get from when we read the Bible is completely different. Right? Like the Bible confronts my sin all the time. If I go based on my feelings and I'm only going to read the happy verses and I'm going to read about prosperity and I'm going to read about all the good things and blah, 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 whatever that nonsense is. Right? Like if I read based on what the culture says and all of a sudden I can find ways to make sin okay based on what the culture says around me because, well, you know, like it's a 2000 year old book. Blah, 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 shut up. You know, all that. Whatever. Can we, I feel like we should do the one last video because we said we had three videos. It's I know. 40 minutes. I know. We are 40 minutes in. It's a good episode. Okay. okay. It's a good episode. Okay. I feel like it's worth it. I feel like we're, you know, mm -hmm. it's not like we're rambling. I mean, we are rambling, but it's a good ramble. It's a necessary ramble. This Just, is the one. This oh. is the one that started this whole uh, idea because he said some stuff in this video. No, this, the, um, the first one I sent you that we talked about was the Jesus was crucified one. Oh. So. I think this one is like defining what a Christian is. I say we just click on it and see what happens because okay, okay. I don't remember. And the word Christian was originally used. It simply meant those who were following the way of Jesus. Those earliest followers of Jesus didn't believe almost anything that modern Christians now say is orthodoxy. In fact, biblical historians tell us that the earliest Christian communities had such disparate theologies that you wouldn't be able to compare one group's beliefs to another group's beliefs. Pause. Because they all... Maybe that's why Paul wrote 27 books of the New Testament, you dummy. Sorry, that was attacking him. That was attacking him. <laughs> oh, love. Felipe, Sorry. Love. Maybe that's why Paul wrote 27 books of the New Testament. That's why Peter wrote books. That's why James wrote books. That's why Jude wrote books. That's why John wrote books. Or, or these letters to the churches to unify them in their thought. How about that? Their own unique perspectives and views on who God was, what salvation was, what Jesus' mission was. Pause again. And that is why the book of Romans is important. That is why the book of Galatians is important. That is why the book of Ephesians is important. Because there were these cultural things that Paul addressed in each and every single uh, letter to these churches. Because he was like, oh, you grew up this way. You thought this way. This is what we need to address to fix your theology. Rome, hey, listen, I know you've been big tripping for a while because you've got Zeus and Athena and whatever. They're nothing like Jesus. This is how we are going to unify your thought around Jesus. Yeah, I can see where he's going. And he's uh, like, he's saying that like Christians were had all of these different ideas. And he makes it seem like, oh, back then, Christianity was eclectic and like it was a mixing pot of ideas when it's like this is why 
books like that were and Paul were so important was because it unified us in our belief and it put parameters. It's like, and it's, I think it was our second episode. We are citizens of heaven, not citizens of this world. Like, mm. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your culture is. I don't care where you grew up. You are now to sit, you're now called to be a citizen of heaven. And so there are laws that you follow that God puts in place. And that's what you follow. You're no longer a part of your own culture. You're a part of kingdom culture. Boy. Yeah, that preaches. Yeah, sorry. Your phone turned off. Okay. Keep going. We're already halfway through this video. I just recognized your face. Or it was my watch. The key for the early Christians wasn't having the right set of beliefs that united them all together. Wrong. But instead devote. That's why we had the books. That's what united. Like, uniting them. Romans uniting their beliefs is why we have the Christian faith. And that's why Romans and all of the letters that Paul wrote are in the Bible is because we need to have a unified faith. We can't have our culture influencing our faith. Here's the thing. Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 5. Then some of the believers, and I'm going to give you context because context is important and some people read the Bible out of context and they get stupid heresy. Uh, Anyway, so this is, there is division among the early church and the early church believed uh, and there was like a a split between them in, in thought and an idea. Hey, what do we make these new believers believe? If we're adding Gentiles into the mix now, what does that mean? Do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to follow all the old laws like we did? Like where, how do we bring people into now the fold of God, right? This is, this is the whole point of Acts chapter 15. Starting in verse 5, uh, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God had made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting... Anyway... He's saying, he says, and I'm going to summarize this. He goes, we couldn't keep the law and you expect them to keep the law. Why are we going to add uh, this burden to them? Uh, uh, he goes on, goes on, goes on. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God and said we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. Uh, for the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times it is read in the synagogues. That was their thing. That unified them. They dedicate themselves to the apostles' teaching. They abstain from food turn, uh, food offered to idols, sexual immorality, and the meat of strangled animals and from blood. Yeah. Boom. Unified. All right. Let's continue. To following and living out the way of Jesus. Wouldn't it be incredible if Christians today stopped drawing boundary lines based on differing beliefs and instead united with common purpose to love our neighbors and love God? I, I find it I find it really interesting the order of uh, those two commandments because he said, "Love thy neighbor and love thy God," and it, it's it's almost telling of his um, thought process. Yeah, because we we need to love God before we love our neighbor. As cold as that might sound, that that is what we're called to because that is the number one command is love God, right? 
Absolutely. Well, no, you. I, I was hoping that you'd finish, right? Because that is important because how we love God determines how we love our neighbor. If I love my neighbor and then love my God, if that is the order of things, my order is out of whack. Yeah. Because how I love, if how I love my neighbor determines how I love God, I am completely out of whack. I will love God absolutely the wrong way. But if I love God and I let my love for God influence my love for my neighbor, boom, everything, everything's right. Also, when we, like, I feel like when we simplify it to, like, loving God and loving our neighbor, it's like we're, like, there's no joy in that. We're just living as like mildly spiritual people. Where's yeah. the joy in that, right? Because I'll tell you this, like some of my favorite times is when I'm reading through the Bible and like learning more about the Bible. It's exciting and learning these new beliefs and like learning different ideas. And there are some things where you can have differ, different ideas when it comes to stuff in the Bible, right? Absolutely. That is why we have divisions. But the deep theological stuff needs to stay consistent. And like loving God above your neighbor is one of those deep things that needs to stay consistent. Yeah. All right. So let him finish. ...has become a religion about believing the right things and doing the right rituals rather than actually following Jesus. Which should beg the question, are such folks actually Christians? Uh, if you believe Jesus the wrong thing, come to die. This theology is antithetical is to the gospel account of from? Jesus's life and ministry. Your phone. I turned. I turned the phone off, and I just. Kept uh, how do we? What, what was the last thing that he said? Boy, if I know. Um, I can replay it. No, we don't need to replay the whole thing. Skip to the. End. I know. I can. I can skip to the end. Uh, because he said something very important, like. Yeah, Christianity is about right believing, right? Like we need to, okay. we've oh, talked about Jesus. this so on so many episodes. Right believing leads to right thinking, right? Like if we believe the right things about God, that matters. That matters so much. We can't just walk around all willy-nilly, just, I mean, doing what this guy's doing and just pulling stuff from our butts and making it act like the Bible says it because it doesn't. We need to believe the, the right things and we need to live holy life. So it's not Religion just doing the, the quote unquote right things. To love our neighbors. Sorry. I don't mean to be playing this over you. I'm just trying to find a spot. All right. You ready? Yeah. And love God. Christianity has become a religion about believing the right things and doing the right rituals rather than actually following Jesus. Ah, snap. Uh, listen, Christianity has always been a religion about believing the right thing. And following Jesus. Yeah, I think I think um, he makes an he he says it's become about just believing the right thing, um, and I do believe that like there is believing and then there's action that comes from that belief. Like I can believe God is sovereign, but if I don't do anything with that, if nothing comes from that, then that's still not real Christianity, right? So yeah. it's like. We, we need to be careful that our faith isn't just about believing, but that there's also action that comes from that belief, right? But I think genuine belief, there is, there is no other option if it's genuine belief, right? If you genuinely believe that God is all good and all grace and all that stuff, then you, out of that genuine belief, should come joy and should come, like, 
a drive to go out and share the good news, right? So I think I think I I I don't know if I want to say I agree with him, but I do think there should be belief and then action, right? Uh, I disagree because he thinks that a- that action, he doesn't believe in belief. He doesn't think there should be a unified belief, um, and he thinks the action should be love just and grace. Nothing, just so love. I disagree with him there, but I do believe if we believe the right things, and that right belief turns it, right believing turns into right thinking, right? Yep, and that turns into um, action. I agree. So with that, that is the last video um, for today. Thank you guys so much. Wait, wait, wait. Should, oh. should, I think we should wrap it up at, like properly. Like, again, we're not... Uh, sure. We, we want to make it clear that this is not about just attacking this guy. This is about attacking the ideas that I see that are becoming very popular mainly on social media and I, and and it's becoming very popular on social media. There are hundreds and hundreds of accounts now um, subscribing to uh, a a version of Christian thought. I'll put it that way. uh, That basically just throws the name of Jesus into cultural sayings. Right. So it's like it's like making Jesus hipster and making Jesus cool by throwing the name of Jesus into these random sayings that our culture believes and acting like that's Christianity. That's not. And some of the things that he's saying, like he uses the name of Jesus, he uses the Bible and and he references these things. But he like his references and his thoughts and ideas are just so off. Yeah. From what it what things actually say. And so, again. This guy's probably a great dude. I'd love to meet him, sit down and chat and talk with him. But his ideas are off. And and I think it's important that we know that and we understand that and we challenge these ideas when they pop up in our lives, when they pop up on our social media feeds, when they pop up even from the pulpit or whatever we listen to because we need to be like deep into God's word. We need to like know this. We need to study this. We need to love this and cherish this. And like knowing what it says rightly is so important, right? That's why we don't just take random verses out of context. That's why Rowan and I do a lot of hard work when we study for these episodes, when we plan these episodes, so that we don't take things out of context. Because if when we do, the Bible says what we want it to say. And at that point, it becomes a man book mm-hmm. and not the word of God. You know, like I can easily twist scripture, you know, just by taking things out of context into the word of Felipe and the word of Felipe is bogus. The word of Felipe does not bring eternal life. The word of Felipe does not save and redeem and and forgive sin. It doesn't. It doesn't. The word of Felipe means absolutely cockadoodoo. Nice. I couldn't think of anything to fill in there. I could tell. Uh, you know, but the word of God is alive. The word of God is a sharp two-edged sword and the word of God is living and active and it has the power to redeem. It has the power to save because it is the word of God mm-hmm. in its That's fullness good. and completeness. Like we need the whole thing. Sorry, I keep going off. The more I keep, I'll let you end it. I'm done now. No, I do have to say though. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry. I I haven't eaten all day. Um. It is. It has been kind of interesting. This wasn't planned, but we. I think the last f- we've referenced all of the episodes, 
the last few months. We did uh, salvation, sanctification. We talked about uh, repentance. We talked about attributes of God. We talked about the covenants. Um, and so we talked about the gospel. The gospel, right? Un unbeknownst to us, all of our episodes have kind of like we've had a reference to an episode for all of like our points, which I I just think is really cool, and that wasn't that wasn't planned on our part, and it never is, but it always happens. And I'm not just all right. And I'd say this: like, if we reference something or like repentance, like that's also important. Go check out our repentance episode. Also, just re- check out our repentance episode because that's my favorite one. But anyway, thank you so much for watching, guys. Uh, if you like what you hear, like, share, subscribe, um, do all the doodads. Um, hit us up on social media. If you see a video uh, that you're like. Is this good theology? Is this bad theology? Send it to us. Ask questions. Um, if you again, if you have a question, hit us up on like Instagram or something. Or a lot of you know us. So, so I was thinking podcast.com. Um, yeah, I hope you have a blessed day. Um, anything you want to add? Buy merch. Yeah. Yeah, all the things. Become I think a you supporter. Said. Um, also that. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, give us money, please. <laughs> it helps us keep going. Uh, you can also support us financially, I should say. That's the professional way of saying it. But, yeah. yeah. I, I hope this was something. Let us know if this is something you would like to hear more of. And with that, I think we should. Amen. End it. Goodbye.